0: I didn't watch Dynamite. Anything Earth Shattering? Uh new Tag Champs. New AEW Tag Champs? Uh-huh. FTR? Nope. Who did they fight? Um Remember they had a triple threat match. Who was it?
1: Who was in the match? Yeah. Uh... Swerve and swerve and Keith Lee and uh, Starks and Hobbs. Please tell me Starks and Hobbs won. Can't do that. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> What? Hey, what? I mean, get the get the fuck, bro! <laughs> no, I, it doesn't make any sense
0: to me either. No, I. Right, so so you perennially you did the exact same thing that you would have done in the eighties, but in reverse. For what reason?
1: <sighs> Look, I. I don't even understand why the Block and Troll Express became champions again just to do this. So God forbid me trying to find the reasoning as to why you crowned another face team when the biggest face team you have has all the fucking championships. They're blocking. So by the so by the time FTR actually does become tag champs, the titles are gonna look like fucking uh, drunk girls at a frat house
0: the Midday Express is um, they're, they're running up the scoreboard at this point.
1: That's all it the, is. The Midday Express.
0: <laughs>
1: Emphasis <laughs> on mid.
0: <laughs> I fucking love it. I fucking love it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> ah, that's fucking funny. Oh, man.
1: Midday. <laughs> Midday. <laughs> At this rate, for the amount of talent that trips had coming into the PC, everybody's damn near a WWE guy. Man, by by the fucking by the standards that people want to use it, it's like okay, fucking MJF is an WWE guy. If that's the case, because he works security in NXT, there's not a person in wrestling who has not tried to be on WWE television. Whether as an enhancement talent, as an extra, as a security guard, as a motherfucking flight attendant, as a record label, or a motherfucking crew. <laughs> so at some point you just have to bury that fucking ex-WWE guy shit. Like if a motherfucker was making a if a motherfucker was making a couple million dollars a year anywhere. Just accept it. Just be happy that they're working for you now. Remember,
0: these two people were both on my top five to never make it to the E. And they're the only two people who have come up whose stock went down.
1: can you? How's that even fathomable? I could tell you, but then we'd have to end the episode. <laughs> We typically
0: haven't started recording it yet, so
1: Nah nah fam, that'd be grand opening, grand closing. <laughs> I could I could very well give you the answer right now, but then we couldn't say shit afterwards. That's, that's, it'd, be the, it'd be the shortest episode in broken pencil history. I can tell you why. I, but I, I, it's I, not I, good. It's not I, good for the brand. I, I, I want to hear it. I'm sure you do
0: but you already know the answer do I do I I, I just I just want to hear it for confirmation I'll even pause it I'll pause I'm pausing the recording now oh my god uh. okay so
1: now so now that you know why that's so take us to the house <laughs> for real pencil pushers heads up shut this shit down P- pick up that amplifier for somebody to fuck around and get shot. we lasted 175 episodes it's been real <laughs> <laughs> Boy. We'll be back in about, about a month and a half with a whole new name. <laughs> the, the pro wrestler shit? <laughs> Done. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. Uh, oh man. Oh, can, I, catch us on our new show, Armbar. Can you imagine?
0: Oh. Oh man. Yeah. yeah oh like, yeah. This, yeah.
1: <laughs> you know the answer. And and I didn't even phrase it as well as I should have, but, but yeah, you get it. Plane landed. <laughs> yeah landed
0: oh shit.
1: when the last time you seen a rock climb a tree
0: <laughs> Dwayne? that you
1: whoa <laughs> <laughs> that, you do. damn it come on
0: with it uh, we hit got- the bell one time <laughs> we outside
1: <laughs> outside for real right like, yeah you know the answer to that you know how that happened so uh, with that said
0: Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and Radio Show infused
1: with hip hop. I am Wood. Made daily with organic, farm to table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, Scotch guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on the beastradio.com. Broken Pencil Logic. You stay classy internet. I'm suave burgundy.
0: Keep your crystals. Mm-hmm. Fuck your paraben. I'm gonna give me some am I'm gonna give I'm gonna give me some aluminum. It's a hundred hell outside. I'll be good guy. Got-
1: <laughs>
0: uh-uh, uh-uh. Nope. Nope. I'll, I'll be doggone i'll be doggone there you go if my dear mama <laughs> my precious mama my, my precious mama gotta smell me outside like she ain't raised
1: nobody who know how to take a bath now look now listen my mom me and my mama going back and forth checking on each other every real hey how, how you doing in this heat baby how you hey you need something i'll be, by, I'll be through there with three cases of water and two cases of body on me. cut the check
0: today it's Friday, July 15th. Year of our Lord. Year of our Lord. I said year of our Lord. Year of our Lord. 20 and Hey
1: Amen.
0: We have one hell, one hell, one hell of a show for you. This is episode 175. And to prevent me, you, <laughs> the world from having a heat stroke. Boy. We have invited New York Times best-selling author, former WWE magazine, former Raw magazine writer, just an all-around wordsmith, penman extraordinaire, Keith Elliot Greenberg, to the show. Facts, facts. i live living a good life. If you don't know who he is, Google him. He's written books on some of your favorite professional wrestlers. In fact, he wrote books on his favorite professional wrestlers with his favorite professional wrestlers.
1: Look, high level. I'm not, I can't sell it. I can't sell it enough. It's it's high level content. So what you need to do is um, text a friend, tell them, you know, tell them you want to listen to the episode together. You know, it's like a bonding experience. And I'm and,
0: I'm, yeah. I'm going out on the on the limb right now and saying that he will be back faster probably than any other guest, any other major guest that we've had. Um, He'll be
1: back fa- faster than Cena from surgery. <laughs> oh, I'm going I'm going to be in the Royal Rumble.
0: <laughs> that was that's pretty damn epic. That, that's pretty goddamn fast.
1: <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Like for real, like there's no way we don't do this again.
0: Yeah, I think the only person who might beat him back it might be Headcrack but that's cheating and that we, we literally put in the, 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 the game genie for that one if that happens factuals but yeah this is true he's got a, a very interesting book that he wrote that he's going to talk about um, I'm sure Suave and I just because of how we handle ourselves over the last couple of years I'm sure that that's going to play into some of the topics that he hasn't said book but again we we'll, he'll be on later on the show so just buckle your seat belts man we got a we got a damn good one for you
1: it's just hold what you got you you know how we come through
0: man um I, we usually don't talk about other podcasts on this show i mean cuz <laughs> why the not- fuck not? <laughs> why
1: do? <laughs> why? Do? <laughs> why? Yeah, why? why do we,
0: we need to? <laughs> in a lot of
1: cases, it's like, why would we? But yeah, I get what you're saying. Go this
0: ahead. this is uh this is one of those rare instances where I, I feel that I should direct your ears to the uh, Jim Cornette experience. Uh, there are some topics that we've talked about and a couple that we won't talk about that he lands the plane on beautifully <laughs> including, <laughs> including rebuttal for Kenny Omega's uh, diatribe on him burying himself by using hateful language and I'm paraphrasing what Kenny Omega said I mean, the the, the, the irony, the irony, the irony of that happening, uh, of him saying that's the fact that he said so while playing video games on Twitch.
1: <laughs> uh, look, you can't, you can't try everybody, and that's the thing I want I want people to start understanding is that you can't try everybody. You can't. I don't care. I don't care who tells you that it that it's gonna work that way. I don't care who tells you that. You just gotta go for what you know. Whatever other lies or bullshit that they put in your head to make you believe that if you try, you will succeed. You can't try everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, and I don't know if I if I've just over over missed this or not, but I'm I'm really getting sick of seeing Kip Sabian on TV with this uh, over uh, underrated over it uh, cardboard box slash brown paper bag on his face.
1: All right, so peep this. You now are tired of seeing Kip Sabian with the paper bag on. Yeah. Realizing that you just realized it was him two weeks ago. Yeah. Imagine a motherfucker who's known for the last two months that's who it is. Long, air quotes, long-term storytelling. (laughs) like it's not storytelling if you don't do shit it's not it's fucking
0: not I don't care how. I'm gonna tell you what makes it worse what makes it worse is that you're doing it in the internet era after you've already revealed who the fuck you were like no someone you, this wasn't. this Again, I bring back the '80s. This is an '80s plant. You know what a plant looks like. You knew what it was. You just didn't know who it was. And when you found out who it was, it was like, all right, cool, party over. What do we do? Bring my dumbass back to the United States and keep doing it because no one gives a shit.
1: Look, I mean that. Look, everything you want to know, you may not need to know because apparently this has ruined part of Dynamite for you. <laughs> Knowing who is under that fucking well, <laughs> brown paper bag is not something that has done anything for you, because now that you know who's under the brown paper bag, unless they're going to throw everybody a swerve and put someone different under the paper bag for the reveal, this isn't helping him or anybody
0: else. Speaking of throwing someone a swerve, I was just, uh, just told by you earlier um AEW has winners. new tag team champions for AEW. Swerve my glory. I mean, I mean
1: Strict strictly business.
0: That there we go. I I like that way better than swerving swerving our glory.
1: say man. Listen, Like I don't understand. I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it because, you know, I'm not mad at it. Um, what is your new name for them? The two two that just lost? What's the one you just gave me? The Midday Express. (laughs) The Midday Express. Certainly not Midnight, but Midday? Yeah, all of that. Yeah. I'm more I'm more confused and perplexed because like I don't understand why the fuck they won the titles to begin with. We like, were already we were already good and and into a lackluster ass um, reign of, of Jurassic Express, which we could have completely walked away from. And what, what was the last paper double double or nothing? Double or nothing. Yep. You could have done the same thing, the same finish you got on AEW Dynamite. On Wednesday, you could have done that at double or nothing and been 100 miles in the other direction. You could have still had the Christian Cage turn because they would have had like some sort of a rematch, lose that. And then that's when you do the breakup angle. So nothing else would have changed. You just get the block control express being able to say they're the first ever two, two-time AEW Tag Team Champions, and now they're not even going to... They didn't get pinned, did they? I didn't see. So... Oh I, oh, oh, I take that. No, they didn't. So, in, in, a, in a twist
0: of coincidence or irony, depending on your perspective, as Dynamite was on tonight, and I'm talking about I'm tired of Kip Sabian, I could not partake in watching because I was too busy changing the rotors on my vehicle. Well, and then there's Adul- that. adulting and shit. So, um, naturally, we're recording this on Wednesday, July 13th. Yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. I said, Yeah, my Lord. Yeah, my Lord. 20 and 20. Doom. Amen. Yeah. So, th- so I, by the time this is being heard, I would have watched it, and we might talk about it. We might not. But just the fact that I know they're uh, the, uh, uh, the, the 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 toad warriors, uh, load warriors. Don't th- do that. Th- them too. <laughs> them too. The 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 fact that they're no longer tag team champions uh, and strictly business are tag team champions and Hobbs and Shaw are not tag team champions yes <laughs> like none of it makes sense none of it not any of it Hobbs and Shaw are over as heels are you fucking
1: kidding me like none of this makes you, sense you are
0: not you please don't tell me you're trying to turn them face while you're pushing no. Keith Lee and Swerve Strickland as faces no, the cr-
1: the crowd's gonna do that for you. But here's the <laughs> part it's like you just crowned a team, new tag champions who broke up three weeks ago. <laughs> in a
0: battle royal, an individual battle royal. Yeah,
1: a fucking heel turn doing a battle royal. An individual, not a tag team battle royal, an individual Bruh. battle royal. <laughs> fuck no, none of this none of this makes sense there's nothing long term booking about any of this none of this shit makes sense <laughs> none of it you could look what happened on Dynamite should have happened at Double or Nothing then you know Block and Troll Express they've been off doing whatever the fuck they're doing and well this is all, you know whose fault this is right this is all Jeff Hardy's fault <laughs> Dead ass. This is all okay. Jeff Hardy's fault. Because if Jeff Hardy, had a downward had spiral. Been bro. on his p's and q's, and, and off of his downward spiral, the Hardy Hardly boys and the Hardy boys would have still been involved with each other. Man, we and then we could have killed off the, the Jurassic Express reign at Double or Nothing, and then tonight's main event on Dynamite would have been strictly business versus the defending powerhouse and Hobbs and, and Starks.
0: Hobbs and Shaw. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't have my
1: phone, man. God damn. God no, no, put, damn. No, put that back on the shelf. Because somebody going to come asking us for money that we don't owe them. Man. <laughs> this is... Whoa. You know, the worst The worst shit in the world is motherfuckers come asking you for money you ain't finna give them? At all. Now nah, everybody angry. Oh, man. Just like watching this motherfucking show. Like, what the... This, this makes no sense at all. It's like I I do realize, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, yes, these people are weaselly enough to go through all these different changes to not have to job to FDR again. (laughs) But (laughs) like this is too much. Like this is
0: like you padding stats. This is the one this is the one team you don't want to dodge, and it's okay. And it's okay for you to lose to They are the best team in the world right now. It's it's hard for you to to refute the fact that FTR is the best team in the world. They're going near
1: impossible.
0: They're going to continue to prove that at uh, this, this next pay per view for Ring of Honor coming up in a, in a little over a week.
1: So again, this makes me ask an even more pertinent question: the legit best team in the world, consensus. Best team in the world carrying a belt from essentially every. They are carrying the Infinity Stones. They have n- n-
0: NXT, NXT, WWE, or what NXT, Raw, and SmackDown, right? True,
1: but we ain't counting that shit. I'm just counting the they, right they, they are no. no, walking around with right now. They are. No, no, just what oh, they okay. walking around with right now. Stop bringing Stanford up. We got enough we'll, smoke. No, no no, 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 no,
0: because they call themselves Seven Star FTR. And that's where you get stars from.
1: That's cool, but fuck all that.
0: <laughs> so, <Fuck> we, all <laughs> fuck right, all, it. all right. So Stafford I th- don't even
1: like tag team wrestling. So,
0: are, arguably the most heralded tag team belts in the world, the IWGP belts, the Ring of they Honor a, belts.
1: Yeah, they and, on
0: a Dudley pace and the the uh, the, the AAA tag team
1: campeones. Mm-hmm. So. If we go ahead and crown them AEW tag champs, we every match they have is gonna be that much more sellable because it's like, look, we're defending all of our championships every time we get in the ring. It's like the J-Crown. Th-
0: this is this is my proposal. My proposal is that you put Maxwell Jacob Friedman under a mask, bring him back to challenge. Oh, I don't know, the interim champion John Moxley. Have Moxley lose. Have Max unmask bring back Wardlow to, to hug him in the ring for congratulating him on the job well done. Have FTR come back, congratulate him in the ring for a job well done. They all hug. What do we have here? The pinnacle with every fucking belt that company has to offer not named a television belt.
1: Well, why don't you just wheel out Tully Blanchard again and have Jonathan Gresham join too? Apparently he's busy. <laughs> Yeah, just like you got a pile of Coke on your desk as big as Tony's,
0: and I'm just looking at it. I'm not even doing. it I'm just looking at it. It's there yeah. for. The, it's there for
1: the company. I want everybody to hydrate. That's all I want. I want everybody to hydrate before shit go haywire. Emphasis on the high. <laughs> yeah, because we didn't had enough of mid. <laughs> this is also factual. Uh, i I just i I don't know how i'm supposed to watch this now now, in response to part of what you just said i just want mjf back on tv now because this is not this ain't what i asked for listen if you're if you're
0: did did we did we see uh them boys this week uh on on dynamite hell no did the internet
1: break? <laughs> Why would you ask, you ask me some shit like that? You know damn well that's what I would have led with. <laughs> so I I brought it up for a reason. Uh, I need to hear this reason.
0: I, I still think we'll probably have a chance of seeing them on TV faster than we'll see MJF. No matter what, no matter how I book them.
1: Well, now since you just <laughs> insist on it, in infusing this episode with Stanford you can play Mr. McMahon's music right now. There's no <laughs> chance in hell. We finna see J, Mark, Chick, we ain't, you ain't gonna see no Quick on motherfucking TNT or TBS.
0: <laughs> no gummy bears, no Jeno uh, Pudding. Shit.
1: Not one chicken farmer. <laughs> Not one.
0: So safe to say this FTR Briscoe's
1: to it's some off Broadway shit. So if you if we want to see it, we're gonna have to go ahead and drop out on Death Before Dishonor.
0: We won't. And that's even, just gonna be the end. We, of we, it. We'll just get mention of it. We won't even get pictures on Dynamite AEW programming. Which not is not
1: like- even. They not even to them. It's going they gonna act like this shit didn't happen. And you are gonna get another fucking Young Bucks running because you know damn well they can't let that spotlight just be on them. That's it. it. Believe
0: it or not, I actually have the Briscoes going over in this match. I just just don't know. I just don't know what exactly to even the score. I don't know what
1: happens afterwards. That's why you shouldn't do it. If you don't look, okay, you're a parent just like I am, and one of the conversations I have with my mini me a lot is that if you don't know why you're doing something, don't do it. Don't do it if you have to ask you already know the answer if if you don't know why you're doing something stop if you ever catch yourself doing something and you don't know why you're doing it stop i want to know this was one of those times if you don't know what happens next then obviously that first step is not the decision you need to make
0: i want to know what Khan told told himself the reason that he was buying roh was tape library honestly that would be our reason that definitely isn't his reason it's one of his top three
1: it ain't the number one you know what the number one is number one has to be tape library (laughs) no number one would be for us, would be tape library. It's probably number two or three for him. Oh, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. number one is for him. <laughs> to conquer the world? <laughs> no, lean. lean. I know what your office looks like. Lean back in your chair look straight up. He's one of those. Wow. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I just told him to look at his ceiling fan. He's a fan. I know. I... I, I. <laughs> And that's exactly why he bought Ring of Honor. Again,
0: heat stroke is real. I'm sitting here looking at it like you motherfucking <laughs> you.
1: Hey, hey, now you're making me fucking nervous. I need you to go get some Gatorade and some water and shit. Like, oh no,
0: I'm I'm fully hydrated. You know, I got a I got a bubbler with five gallons of the finest alkaline. Right? You know, hey, fam, don't make nine. me message
1: H. Don't make don't make me reach out to HR and get your ass pulled.
0: We are HR. Pause. We are HR, sir.
1: I, hey, you know what the fuck I'm talking about though. I get your get your card pulled.
0: <laughs> Yo, uh, big shouts out to Dustin Rhodes. Get well soon, as he's supposed to be at Fighter Fest, and he tweeted out that he was at home, quote unquote, super sick. What's wrong with him? Uh, oh. I, I I hope it ain't what I think it is, because you, uh, you know
1: there's a new variant. It's I've been hearing it's been real heavy. It's been heavy through the lower thirteen. Um, apparently, Tejas is back with the with the shit so
0: yeah yeah i i I have to have a procedure in about three weeks and uh please believe i'll be taking a couple of those uh tests to see how i'm sitting prior to
1: yeah so it's it's some it's getting back ugly yet again it just doesn't seem that way because you know it's not the topic of conversation each and every day on every news site but, you know, we ain't out the woods yet, so there. everybody continue to protect yourselves or at least protect the ones you care about and the rest will fall into place. This
0: is, uh, th- this is a very, uh, very heartfelt sentiment from the Broken Missile Booking Company Pro Podcast and radio show infused with hip-hop that you should take to heart.
1: No nah, facts, facts as, like,
0: as we have all, uh, well, okay, say all, we have both been affected directly and indirectly from the ills of this, uh, this, this virus. It's like, bruh, if I, I, we and can't,
1: I, if we can't convince you to do what's best for, you know, the general public, okay, cool. Fuck the general public. Cause I feel like that sometimes too, at least do what, what's necessary to protect the people you actually like. <laughs> the one, the ones you care to tolerate, you right. Cause if you don't have to love them. <laughs> There's a finite number of people I fuck with on this planet, so if I ha- if I have to take on certain responsibilities to make sure I get to keep the ones I like, cool, I do that.
0: I mean, you gotta
1: you, you gotta take your lumps, man. I'm sitting here looking.
0: He something. Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here looking. Uh, Chase Park Plaza, Royal Sinista, St. Louis, Missouri, the uh, Corner Racin Ballroom at Chase Park specifically. Okay. Will play host to NWA 74 this year. And it's going to be a two-night event, August 27th and August 28th. The only announcement, other than the fact that it's an event that's going to be two nights, has been that there will be a classic women's personality as the first person to say that she's going to be there managing her daughter Samantha Starr. That person being the perfect 10 baby doll. Too bad it couldn't be any bigger than that but who's to say that it won't be? I mean we're still early on but it's always good when you hear those good names from the, the, name, the, main, the names that made you smile back in the 80s. It's always good to see that those people are still here with us to enjoy this uh, newer rebranding of the NWA. I think the NWA is going to be okay as long as they continue to stay stay where they're at, and Billy Corgan figures out how to maintain revenue and pay their uh, pay the talent while he maintains revenue to hold this brand high in the uh, in in a sphere that's more focused on national and international television clearances and house uh, house gates. Than they are with maintaining the size and the mystique, because uh, him him being able to maintain through the pandemic after the loss of Cornet is uh, is pretty amazing. If he's not losing money out of his own bank account to to to, to bankroll this organization oh, in so his uh, in his venture. He's such
1: a bitch. Um, what you know? What I really think uh, Corgan needs to figure out. Talk to me. How you gonna put these uh, NWA tag titles on the FTR? <laughs> Uh, everything that you said is all well and good but the only thing I'm concerned with is how are we finna get these titles on FTR? Why are you bull-
0: finna- why are you bullshitting that actually might be the main event is uh cuz who right now who are the NWA tag team champions? Don't know.
1: Well, that's the time don't, I don't don't fucking know.
0: <laughs> Let, let's I know it. who they should be.
1: FTR. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, come on, somebody. That's I'm look, I'm not worried about the who or the how. Uh, Fuck the labor pains, bring me the baby.
0: Wow. And you tell when I tell you who the tag team champions are, you can't tell me that FTR wouldn't bring the house down with these two. Who that the Commonwealth Connection, Doug Williams, and Harry Smith.
1: Oh, okay, gang shit. C- cool. Cool, great. A whole lot of fucking gang shit. I tell you what, this is what we'll do to swap it out. We'll send FTR over there to smash on, on Commonwealth Collective or whatever it is. The Commonwealth <laughs> Community College or whoever. Yeah, get them out the way. FTR, get them. Move on to the side. Then you can send the Commonwealth Community College with uh, <laughs> Nick Aldis. With Nick Aldis and make put all three of them together, and you bring Commonwealth Community College all the way past Chuckalissa, all the way to Jacksonville, <laughs> and then we got trio tournament with Commonwealth Community College versus you know whoever.
0: If you see a black, red, and green charger run,
1: that's no. All that, I'm no that that motherfucker is right back to the same auction it came from. <laughs> you see the police ribs on that bitch. <laughs> That's how I knew. Hey, hey, <laughs> talk to these people so they fucking know.
0: And it was not a paint job. That was a. I was a vinyl wrap.
1: That's a vinyl wrap. That's a. That's a vinyl wrap. Understand? Uh-oh. Understand what you're looking at, fam. So at, at first, this seems like a grand gesture. On the cool, this is probably about forty six hundred dollars. <laughs> maybe. Maybe no. I take that back. No, that's a. Uh, well, that's like a 09 body. So if we supposed to be twenty twenty, yeah, that's about. It's less than five grand, and most of it is on the vinyl rack. Boy, like like that old of a charger from police auctions, probably about twenty three, twenty five hundred dollars. No, no more than three racks.
0: The only thing more so than they could have did besides leave those police rims on there was put that bitch on twenty (laughs) sixes.
1: Or they could have left the fucking. the ser- police searchlight on that O?
0: Oh, oh man, the
1: one that don't work, <laughs> or, or, yeah. or or the or
0: the hole in the window where the uh, where the arm for the searchlight goes.
1: Oh my God! <laughs> or, or still left the motherfucking grill guard on there, the crash bar. <laughs> <laughs> but either way, yeah, everything else after the twenty less than three grand you spent getting the car itself everything else because this motherfucker has a real key it's not it's not push button it's none of that this is still Chrysler key this is a Dodge key
0: not to be, ver-
1: you, not to be, not to be
0: confused with uh, uh, Bobby by the, by, by the pie Whitney, Whitney by the key, the
1: key. <laughs> and look this ain't even like the 08 that has the the key port Now this is old school original get your key cut
0: now it might stick into the ignition. Because it's a police car, and it, it may have a hemi dropped in it. It's probably a three point seven because it's after because they take that police motor out that hole, but
1: yeah, five point seven. <laughs> well wait, it's the uh it's the two point seven and then uh
0: the There's a there's a five, three there's a three something. The Hemi's the five point
1: seven. That's what I would expect would be in the police cruiser.
0: Yeah, they, you know they they ain't getting that. As <laughs> a matter of fact, I would probably think the police cruiser might have a six point two. It might have a little bit more get up in those police cruisers. Look at the oh, mar- no, look at look at
1: the Marauder too. That's why you at it? All right, that's the body style. All I know about the Marauder, my brother tried to gas me in to get one of them back in. It's like, no, I'm not driving a car that has that body style, period. I don't care how much more, how much, I know it performs better under the hood. I'm not driving a vehicle shaped like that.
0: Everybody around you is moving over with the exception of the people behind you with the red and blue lights on.
1: Right, because the stupid people out here don't know the difference between a Marauder and a Crown Vic, but I do. (laughs)
0: while you're looking that up i'm gonna run down the uh current list of nwa champions since we haven't given them love in a while the current i
1: hold on on. there's a 2.7 a 3.5 a 5.7 and a 6.1
0: okay so the 3.5 is what's got to be in there after they yank that 6.1 out that bitch
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah, I, they better not leave a Hemi motherfucking plates on there and give you a 3.5 liter engine. Come on, man.
0: Why wouldn't
1: they? It's v- a-, a V6. <laughs> because it's a V6, you're gonna take the bitch to get it serviced.
0: Well, I've seen. Mind. I've, I've seen motherfuckers
1: buying cars from the police auction and not taking them bitches. Them
0: I've, I've seen people put cars in and print and on the internet, for instance, uh, a Chevy Camaro that's an RS V6 with the SS on the outside of it because they don't think that the seller thinks the people aren't smart enough to pop the damn hood. Oh, it it not the,
1: it's not the base. They gave him the SXT. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah. So, you got base, SXT, RT, and then you get into Hemi and then so forth and so on. But, yeah. Nah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In 2022, that's a 2009 at the latest. So... Yeah, whatever. Whatever is left after the first three grand you spent to get it, tax, title, and license, and have it like road ready, the rest was spent on the vinyl wrap. Cause that's stock vinyl wrap. That's not custom. Yes, <laughs> that's just that's just that's just one of the colors of camo that they have available. And you can if you look hard enough, you can see the folds in the roll. <laughs> Bruh. I want I want everything to fucking stop. I want people to stop playing with with all. With our TV watching as though we are not really outside,
0: so don't uh, we? Well, I can come back on that before we go into Keith. Uh, the NWA current world cha- or current champions: uh, the World Heavyweight Champion Trevor Murdoch, Women's World Champion Camille <laughs> T. moo <laughs> NWA World Television Champion Tyrus, NWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion Homicide. Because a whole lot of fucking gang shit. We already told you who the tag team champions were. The women's tag team champions is Pretty Empowered, which is uh, Ella Envy and Kenzie Page. And the NWA national champion is Jax Dane. Shit, um, I forgot where I was going with that. Anyway, th- those are your NWA champions in case you needed to know who they were.
1: We just going to swap out these appearances just so FTR can get this pay-per-view uh title win and then you know the the Commonwealth Community College and oh, Stage Play no, Company no, no. <laughs> now, I, this is tongue in cheek I've never seen yeah, I know. I've I never get... seen them work no for people who are listening and don't know better I've never seen them work together I know from the names that have been dropped I, they they should be very good together have not seen them work so this is all Tongue in cheek, based on the name itself, not the actual people executing. Matter of fact, when we met D.H. Smith, it, you know, very cool. personable. Yeah, he was. Cool. Yeah, very personable. Cool, cool is a good word. He was very cool. Yeah, he was. He was cool. Same with Ace Austin. Like we don't know any of their politics. Don't know him as per. You know, personally, but in that time and passing, I forgot we it, met Ace personable. Austin. I,
0: I just kept. I kept wondering why that name was familiar. Now, now, I remember, we, yeah, we pre
1: pre Bullet Club.
0: Yep yep wow yeah yeah <laughs> we's outside yeah. for real we's outside <laughs>
1: this, this ain't no sh- just some shit we say every show
0: oh man, you, man we, oh, oh, oh speaking we're not, of
1: we're not just using current day slang
0: speaking of sir if if what I think yeah, I can't talk about it right now if I think what's gonna happen happens we are gonna have a busy August and September
1: is this, okay. a, is this a wrestling related thing or just yes. like if it, yes. no 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 when I say you're talking about if it happens if are we talking about the thing that happens is that a wrestling thing or is yes. that amongst the crew thing
0: no it's a rest, it's a wrestling related thing uh,
1: that happens to be a whole lot of fucking gang shit alright well shit I'll just I'll wait for you to update me on that yeah very,
0: very interesting happenings behind the scenes right now and uh yeah, there might be another microphone in the, in our future for the for the right slash wrong reasons. Details coming soon. All right, uh, while we're at talking about champions at other organizations, Impact, let's go through their champions real quick. Rosemary and Taya Valkyrie are the new uh, Impact World Tag Team champions for the women. Taya Valkyrie, I think, has like six belts right now.
1: She, is, mean, she is
0: brutally active out here collecting belts. What's the problem? Nothing. Nothing. Okay. If, if we if we have a problem with her, we should we should have a problem with FTR. We have zero problems with FTR. Anybody has a problem with FTR, you got a problem with me. Mm, then there's that. There's there's that. Good Brothers World Tag Team Champions, Digital Media Champion Brian Myers, uh, the X Division Champion Mike Bailey, Impact World Champion Josh Alexander. Do we even want to talk about who the Knockout World Champion is? Uh, that's
1: totally up to you, boss.
0: I would like to respectfully call her Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Gresham. Um, Jim Cornette disrespectfully calls her Butterface.
1: Either way, I'm not gonna disrespect <laughs> the man's wife because I know the smoke is supposed to come with that. So. Th-
0: this is this is absolutely true. Jordan Grace is the Impact World uh, Knockout Women's Champion. Uh,
1: I'll say I'll say I'm not looking to to subscribe to any of her hot takes anytime soon
0: but it, yeah. it it is far from a hot take it shouldn't even be called a cold take it's a take and she actually should give it back yeah it's not I... worth us even talking about on the show so we won't give it any more credence than that if you want to know what we're talking about go find it but it's probably the most uh one one of the more egregious uses of twitter fingers that we have seen this side of re- on on the wrestling side of the internet in quite some time, but it happens pretty often. So this one's up there, though.
1: We got anything else? Um, let's see. Uh, Brian Danielson is out here. You know. Oh, how can we yeah. forget that? I don't know how. I. Cause we, cause we started this whole show without an agenda. Actually, rolled out just out here flipping flipping through tables we're
0: we're we're literally going through the pre-match car to get to the main event (laughs) that's 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 that's, that's literally what we're doing here brian danielson has not been seen on tv since the week before double or nothing in which he went out uh injured and uh no one knew thanks
1: thanks jericho
0: no one knew the extent of the injury we just know that that man was suffering from something, and we all we always feared, um, you know, that that his past has caught up with him, and we, now we have confirmation that it has. Brian Danielson is out, apparently, with a concussion, according to Tony Khan, and in AEW, also according to Tony Khan, which I could not agree with the stance on this more, unless you have uh, symptoms of being headache-free for eight days you are not clear from concussion protocol. As much, I, as much as I hate to do this, that is the right thing to do.
1: I mean, could anybody have any different take on it?
0: Um, Knowing, knowing what we know now, there's absolutely no reason for anyone to have any other take on it than that. But... I, I shudder to think and I, this is just for the sake of conversation. I shudder to think if we did not have a Christopher Nowitzki, if we did not have uh, Mick Foley taking 18 shots to the dome, a.k.a. the A-man. Uh, what what's, What is our conversation now if this man has, you know, they, they have a concussion protocol. He's out for eight days and we don't have these concussion conversation do we even have a concussion protocol if we don't have these concussion conversations 20 years
1: ago you're gonna have to get here at some point anyway because you have to you have to find a reason that all the things that happened in that span happened so let's say you don't get a concussion protocol implemented when you do the death toll of wrestlers that have gone before before concussion protocol might double. Because you're just going to have people literally going off the rails or falling dead at home, at TV, God forbid, on camera, in the ring, suffering massive brain trauma and injuries because you're just not doing the work.
0: I mean, we've seen people get gashed open with light tubes and have those gashes open up further with different light tubes
1: recently, like within the last month recently. Then turn around and watch somebody chew those same types of light tubes from the same place. Like, mm, I'm good. (laughs) Some stuff I'm just good on. I mean, hey, some stuff. And people can take WWE
0: and AEW to task all they want to in their, quote, unquote, dumbing down of programming. But if it prevents us from seeing uh, sideshow carnival bullshit like that, you know what? I'd watch it seven days a week and twice on Sunday, as they say
1: like i i kind of want to say i ain't gonna judge you if you still if you're watching it mainly because i mean hell it i was, watched ecw i would say it was part it was part of the dichotomy of why we still do this right like we watched ecw we even saw death matches in their time but it's like we got to interview your favorite the ah, ah, ah that guy could actually wrestle though the, the, i totally agree I don't. I, I'm not sure I can say the same thing for some of the people I see doing it now. That 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 part. Like New Jack found a niche, a niche, and exploited it. But we all knew from his time in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, he could actually wrestle too. It wasn't just like, oh, I can't do shit else, so let me find the sharpest shit I have and cut a motherfucker open.
0: Yeah, because like, you, nah. you, he would, he wouldn't, might have break out a, a, a switchblade or a razor blade on, on, uh, on. Uh, Eastern Tennessee uh, network television.
1: He wasn't going <laughs> to cut you unless you fucked with him first.
0: That whole bombs away? How did it happen? He got fucked with first.
1: Right. You fuck, you fuck with me first, then whatever comes with the combo meal, you're going to take all of that.
0: And honestly, Vic Grimes got off lucky because New Jack died with one eye.
1: And then there's that.
0: Rest in peace, New Jack. What up, Gin Jack, so, a.k.a. Gin so, Juice?
1: Straight like that, that's gang. So for that reason, I I want to say I don't judge you, but one of the things that we always tell people, and it it, it has a tongue-in-cheek sort of connotation to it, but it's real, if you knew better, you'd do better. <laughs> so now, all these years later, because, hey, showing showing our age, fucking ECW was 20 years ago. Shit, ECW shut down in 2001. Yeah. So we're we're rapidly approaching the the 30 year anniversary of the closing of ECW.
0: No, not the closing. The tw- we just passed the 20 year. Well, shit, not 30. <laughs> feels like 30 yeah it 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 honestly does that that part i can agree with it but
1: we are but okay i'll turn that that negative slip of mine into a positive it was 20 years ago but we ought to be 30 years more smarter (sighs) from what we know about concussion concussion post all post concussion syndrome cte how the brain works when it's injured what concussions really are and what happens every time that you are concussed, we should be 30 years smarter in how we move. Man. Are we?
0: Chris, no. Chris, Chris Nowitzki, Brian Danielson. Uh, there was one more I was gonna bring up. Um, oh, Bret Hart. Though that's your trifecta of poster children for post, post concussion syndrome. WWE did the right thing by having him sit it out, retire because they couldn't clear him. If Brian Danielson, uh, as Daniel Bryan, believed in himself that much and believed in his ability to go out there and perform that much. And just, he was willing to put it on a line like that. And he went out and did what he was supposed to do. And he got, you know, he, he showed that he was better and he even came back. Shouts out to Dallas, he came back here and put on one of, the, one of the best resurrections of a career that we have seen post-retirement. Probably, it, it's probably top five. Um, and I, can he come back from this? Sure, should he come back from this? That remains to be seen. Man's 42 I, years old.
1: I think we're at a point where somebody has to pull him aside and try to rein him in. And it's like, hey, I understand there's something you want to do, or you have these, you're headstrong. No pun intended.
0: Brianna Danielson
1: on line one. You, "You Look at your children in the face. What version of you do you want them to grow up with?
0: The one that only remembers you or the one that also you remember?
1: right the one that actually the one that has memories of you when you couldn't form your own it's just it's it's weird well i ain't gonna say it's weird it's just it's uncomfortable like i i enjoyed i enjoyed brian danielson's performances i i loved everything about how he was you know conducting himself in the in the brief heel run pre blackpool combat club I thought he had no business in anarchy in the arena. That's not even his strong suit. And we put him in that goofy ass match, and look what happened. You get, <laughs> cluck, you get clucked in the fucking head again out here doing some some old stupid shit that Jericho then came up with. <sighs> I, everything bad going on in, the, in AEW, I can trace back to Chris Jericho. I, I was just, I was really hoping we could make it a whole episode without talking nope. without talking about Mimi nope cause he can't make it a whole week without talking about some shit that don't involve him <laughs> so fuck it tit for tat <laughs> uh, uh,
0: talk is nope. Jericho has made it to Sirius XM and I can't think of a good reason why
1: uh, I mean
0: he ain't always been a shitty he was, he was in pretty high regard until about a couple of years ago Cause he wasn't
1: talking. Silences. Silences. They're golden. Like there, there's a, there's a difference. There's like, there's on camera. We only hear what's scripted, or we only hear what's been agreed upon to be discussed. Now that you know he's outside of uh, general population containment, now you hear a lot of the. Random thoughts You know who who, and I, <laughs> who he's very much In the same vein of <laughs> Nah I can't even put that on him Cause like he actually performed Above Above snuff In more than one place So forget that I won't do that Yeah it's, but- it's only been the last Really The AEW
0: Version Has been like And we've given him I, now, I, I, I'm not gonna speak for you Cause I don't know what you've done I have given him some praise for something something he's done in AEW. But god damn it. Like if honestly if you could erase that that stretch from his career and everything that in his life that happened during that time frame or erase that shit, he's he's, he's goat status. Right now he's every time he opens up his fucking mouth, he he takes away from his legacy.
1: It's almost like ever since he turned 50. <laughs> Middle-aged and crazy? Why you bullshitting? <laughs> Christopher Keith Irvine was born on November 9th, 1970.
0: Oh,
1: man. which would, Which would make him what?
0: 50. 52. Mm. Well, I'm sorry. 51. So he would be 52 this year. Yeah.
1: Okay. Are we and failing math length. class today? What the fuck? Because <laughs> it's, it's not time to be playing with numbers and shit. We play with numbers during the day so we can relax at night. Right on. But... <clears throat> A motherfucker who's about to be fifty-two. AEW's been been in existence for how long? Three. This this year
0: will be the fourth anniversary.
1: Okay. So. Well, well we just we, we just
0: actually we just had the third anniversary, the third uh, double or nothing. So there there it is. So three years down.
1: Bingo. The first year of AEW is probably one of you could say that Jericho was still high. From a creative and and a presentation standpoint, because these last two years have been pure bullshit. So it's damn near like, soon as he hit fifty, he jumped off the cliff. Almost to the day.
0: <laughs> just I just I I used to have so so I I I actually could be able to rebut. Anybody's negative uh negative speak on Chris Jericho. Now, mm-hmm. now I don't even want to talk about that
1: motherfucker. I, listen. Twitter trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. And then just I mean, to, and then yeah. to interject
0: yourself like what what was that? Hot tub time machine
1: with uh where Fred went back and then he he invented a, a frugal it's been so long since I've seen either of the Hot Tub Time Machines. I I can't tell you any of that. Yeah. So, like, he he's
0: not to say that he didn't do anything. He's talking about you, you know he is, he's evil Nori for, for the wrestling world. Because Nori was everywhere for uh, during for, for rap for hip hop. Nori was everywhere. Chris Jericho is is evil Nori for wrestling.
1: Mm. I like Nori too much for you to do him nothing like do that
0: to him e- Evil Nori again he's putting even him, he,
1: even as Evil Nori but he's still... putting
0: himself everywhere he's putting himself everywhere even if we don't want him to be there he's putting himself everywhere
1: Did Nori do that not,
0: he did he, he does it every time he does drink champs but he's not evil about it that's why I said I mean, Evil Nori I like, but I I like mean, Nori a lot
1: Right, so I I need I need so I need another inverse because like that don't even feel like the, the proper inverse. I don't know. I don't if, want I don't want to put that on Nori. I don't know
0: anybody that you would that you would want to put Jericho on anyway. That's that's the only Joe bes- Budden. <laughs> I like it.
1: Joe, no, and and that, this that, makes that, a lot more sense. That
0: show that shows you the the uh, the lack of care that I have for that man because I never even thought about bringing him up, and you're spot on.
1: He's he's making a, a boatload off podcasting. He will talk about anything, anything, and anyone. Offer, he will have a, an offering about offering his opinion. Yeah, I
0: said offering his opinion that no one asked for, and making you believe that it's fact,
1: and insisting that it was necessary. <laughs> See this is this is yeah. Tune in for more recipes. <laughs> I, I was not gonna let you just that's, that's like
0: the, that's I, the killer there insisting that it was necessary <laughs>
1: yeah insisting like no you needed to hear this from me Man. you needed to hear you needed to hear what I thought about southern hip-hop like bro you ain't never you ain't you barely moved to Florida like the <laughs> like you do Florida for spring break like stop this shit <laughs> Like stop this, <laughs> stop this. You, and it's, you, if you you got more bitching <laughs> you than your female dog, like what you what are you really doing? Let's <laughs> say I'm not gonna. I don't, I don't know. I don't pay enough attention to to the goings ons to know you know how much or how little bitch anybody has in them. But yeah, the the yeah. fact
0: the fact that you let your wife and your mother in law do some uh do some debaucherous criminal shit on the steps of the fucking Capitol, and you, all you did was talk about it.
1: Joe Button wife and all, no and no mom, was that
0: no, the no 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 oh, no I thought you talking about Joe Button. I was like I don't know how much bitching no I think Budden, I think Button got bitching him for other reasons but that's another conversation
1: jeez bro how get us canceled all in one's felt swoop nope. why don't you nope
0: <laughs> no, I will not. Show <laughs> sure, brokenbistlebc.com, brokenbistbc at gmail.com. That's at Brokenbistobc on all things social. At Broken on what? Everything,
1: everything.
0: Everything. Everything.
1: You leaving out McMahon's new shit that hit it hit the uh hit Oh, the oh well.
0: hold on, hold on. I'm not leaving out anything. Hold on. I mean let me add this. Hold on. What else you got, Suave? <laughs> and
1: then put it put it on me. Yeah. Let me, put, let me put this jersey and jacket on since, you know, heat stroke. Um, <laughs> Do that. <laughs> yeah, it's because of, of the fucking heat stroke. So apparently, it, we even mo outside about these NDAs, and there are more instances of money being spent.
0: When three becomes 12.
1: <laughs> so yeah, we, we have effectively spent more money on Strange than we did acquiring. The WCW, entire tape li- the entire <laughs> tape library that makes up the WWE network. <laughs> so let's let's let's
0: think about that. World class, AWA, Mid South, UWF, Jim Crockett Promotions, including Mid Atlantic, mm-hmm. um, ECW, mm-hmm. Evolve. Yep. Uh, is Progress on there? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Mm-hmm. keep going there's more there's go fit th- go hit me because that's global force i forgot i forgot about global force that was um, a fight man they, they could they got that for a pack of new ports
1: that was from espn Facts. you got um uh no uswa wasn't included uh
0: we'll'll we'll unfortunately never see that in totality that that's that's a story within it. You know, I, I really want to get a historian for USWA. Let me before you go into we go into the McMahon. Let's talk about that real quick. All right. What what people don't understand about the USWA was when World Class uh, was absolved and eventually morphed into USWA. Uh, Texas had its own thing going on. Tennessee had its own thing going on and the USWA World Championship traveled between the two cities. So you, you eventually had one big ass roster like Raw SmackDown, but one roster was in Dallas, the other roster was in Memphis. The Dallas crew never saw Memphis, the Memphis crew never saw Dallas in terms of people who are watching on local television. You might see a match here or there as far as like something that major that happened at their edit arena, but as far as TV was concerned, All you got, the best you got was Tojo Yamamoto between Dallas and and, and Memphis. Jeff Jarrett between Dallas and Memphis. Maybe an occasional Lawler pop-up, but that was pretty much all you got. USWA's catalog, outside of the championship sports catalog from World Class Championship Wrestling, which is not on the WWE Network, which I've talked about numerous times uh, ad ad, ad nauseum on here, Uh, might be... The holy grail of wrestling catalogs. Uh, and if we talk about USFWA predecessor, if we talk about Continental from Memphis um, with the green ropes going back to like the TV, the WMC uh, TV Channel 5 catalog, which. Those shows were taped over to save on the cost of tape, and so unless somebody actually had a VCR, recorded every episode and didn't tape over that, that because they, the videotapes for home were also so expensive at the time. Well, we, that's that shit. That's just going to be documented on paper more than we're going to see on video. But anyway, I just had to say that real quick. Go ahead, Swa.
1: Yeah. So yeah, all the money that was spent to acquire everything that you've ever seen on the WWE Network is by leaps and bounds by multiples less than what has been spent on strange in these particular ndas that have come come to light. (laughs) that's
0: a goddamn shame
1: (laughs) i mean well it is but it's a shame for a different reason than what we might think like what you're thinking now like you spend 12 million dollars on ass and it's like oh man that's messed up It's probably low it's probably low considering, you know, this country's corporate hierarchies. So probably he's probably on the lower end. But neither here nor there. Uh, Um There's a new article that's out. And I mean like today today out. Today? To the point today.
0: (laughs) New shit, let's go.
1: So I'm gonna read this because I hadn't, I've not. I haven't seen
0: a read. damn thing, but let's go.
1: You ain't seen shit, and I just saw the the article. So this is from Sports Illustrated. Latest allegations mean Vince McMahon's days at WWE may be numbered. So mind you, we went from uh, I say NDA, one chick, we ain't really doing no tripping to. Oh shit! They still doing that? Well, he didn't already step down as CEO. What else you gonna do? Now, motherfucker's days is numbered. He's seventy six. His days are numbered, no matter what.
0: <laughs> not, not, not really trying to, you know, bring light to the obvious. But if one foot in was an owner. <laughs>
1: Uh, the other one on a banana peel? <laughs> named Khan? <Con>. Oh, shit. <laughs> Alright, so look. There, there's a pattern to man's alleged behavior that makes it all the more damning and indicates that more accounts of misconduct could be coming. So this is by uh, Justin Barrasso. Justin, 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 Justin Barrasso. Oh, Barrasso. There you go. There's no accents. Viz McMahon sustained another damaging blow last week as he desperately tries to maintain control of WWE. On Friday, the Wall Street Journal reported that McMahon paid $12 million to four women over the past 16 years to silence allegations of sexual misconduct and infidelity. Oh my God! So wait, he paid 12 for four over 16. I mean, roughly
0: eight hundred thousand a year.
1: NFL teams do worse for backup quarterbacks. <laughs> I mean, like <laughs> <laughs> for,
0: for, for for journalistic integrity. <laughs>
1: uh, for for journalistic for, for, interrogation.
0: For, 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 for journalistic integrity, I just want to see the body count.
1: I mean, it says says 12. That's what it says. Pay 12 to four women over past 16. So that just (laughs) means those are the ones that they have access to or they've come across. Those are the NDAs that are totaling the most money right now. However, we're going to keep reading. Um, One of the non-disclosure deals involved McMahon and a former wrestler where, according to the journal, he coerced her. That's a good word. You got to use that word more often. (laughs) Coerced. Coerced, yeah. coerced her into giving him oral sex and then demoted her and ultimately declined to renew her contract after she resisted further sexual encounters this is where ambiguity is a motherfucker because now after you've knocked her off anything that happens to her that is negative can be tied back to the fact that y'all stop fucking this is why you don't you don't shit where you eat you don't trap where you sleep I, uh, that didn't, has nobody learned anything from all these gangsta and dope dealing movies that's been made it's like
0: you watch your friends and the Forbes uh, or in, uh, a Forbes 50 or the Fortune 500 and you see these things happen around you literally minutes away from your office and while you're reading this news you're talking about how fucked up it is while you're getting topped off
1: (laughs) i guarantee you he's not giving a fuck about the news if it's time to get topped off he's not reading the newspaper none of that shit none of it like okay Sidebar. No,
0: I'm not an island. Peninsula, maybe. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> it makes, it makes no sense. I know. Crazy. <laughs> Sidebar. I went back and watched um, SummerSlam 2019, I'm, and you know why I watched it. There was a specific reason. Uh, I watched it to see, you know, if I was really, if I was blowing smoke about how over the fiend was night one. Or, you know, was it real? I would say that's the
0: only thing we could be talking about, considering who's coming up, but... <laughs>
1: right, but... I saw something else in the process, but yes, it's 100% fact. Like, everything about Night 1, they had they had it. They had lightning in a the bottle they fucked it up. And that's beside the point. I went on a SummerSlam bender and started in 14 to see Cena get his ass kicked and saw that fucking uh, Rusev was still... Uh, being presented as a Russian uh fighter. He had, this wasn't Bulgarian yet. He was still wearing the colors colors of uh of Russia. And yeah, it was it was some whole shit. They were still name dropping Vladimir Putin, Putin who was basically the
0: which did not age well at all.
1: That was my whole point. And I thought they were still doing it in 2019. That's a, that's some 14 shit. He even still not the gr- does not age well, not the greatest choice. Does show that WWE can be ahead of the curve on some shit. But that doesn't necessarily
0: mean it's the best thing.
1: No, not at all cuz okay, if you were going to split hairs, I would say that you probably get more out of it if you did it now. <laughs> just me. I mean, just me. But uh, yeah, um, shit ain't going good for old Vinny Mac. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be inside. Like, I want to go keep going through the story, but it's a, it's a little lengthy and it, it can't be like ridiculous stuff. It's just what this is, is probably a chronological order mounting the case as to why he going to get the fuck about the paint. We'll post this on all our socials. We'll post it on the official Facebook. We'll uh, tweet it out so everybody can read it and see what we're talking about. But just...
0: Um, and Justin Barrasso is a very accredited writer. He's with Sports Illustrated. So I'm sure... Is that a Sports Illustrated article or is that something he did on his own? No, it's Sports Illustrated article. There, there it is. See? that Proves my yeah, point.
1: This is, this is very much... Uh, this is getting worse by the day. And as I said before, and this is... I don't feel any different about it now. This is a hit. Uh, Ma- now you gotta decide Is it Nick Conn Or is it one of the kids this like a big Well I, I Honestly <laughs> I, Oh I Oh easy. Peep this Alright let me fuck up The ho- rest of your day real quick Uh oh Hey right, you remember Um WrestleMania 32 Was here In Cowboy Stadium right? oh, Yeah
0: yeah Yeah 2016 Remember well Go ahead
1: Right When Shane came back What was the What was the <laughs> What was the Um The the catalyst for his return—that I don't remember. Okay, cool. So Shane comes back and says, essentially, his father's a sleaze bag. Art <laughs> imitating life. Haha. Uh-huh. So he says there's this box with some shit in it that nobody needs to. He doesn't want any. That Vince doesn't want anybody to know. And. That's how he got the match against The Undertaker in Hell in a Cell at Wrestlemania. And he was if Shane had won, he would have taken over control of Raw. And had he lost, he was supposed to take whatever was in that box. And shout out to Bad Boys. <laughs> bad Boys too. you take that and Jacques Cousteau <laughs> and my mother's titties and you bury this shit in the bottom of the ocean.
0: So that box is in the bottom of the ocean.
1: Yes, subsequently the box is in the bottom of the ocean. However, now fast forward to 2022, seems like what was in that box is what Shane was going to put out on his ass in 2016, all these fucking NDAs. I think that box took a detour to a different office. (laughs) Shane didn't cover that box with enough dirt. Shane, or Shane, didn't you should have buried that bitch in the floor like John Wick? Shane put airbags on the bottom of that box,
0: <laughs> not cement, <laughs> bruh Somebody,
1: somebody went out there with a rod and reel and said, "What is this?" <laughs> but on the cool, I found, I found that shit to be very entertaining. So go back, watch some of the build to WrestleMania Thirty Two between Shane and Vince, and it's so much fucking irony, so much.
0: And something like, tells me that Vince was the one that wrote all that,
1: too. Art imitating life. Ah. Like, if, if you would just... if We've been saying this for, what, a, over a month now. This is the most interesting shit going on in wrestling right now. If this was playing itself out on camera, on television, weekly, we'd be glued to WWE product. But we're not. Because you're not telling the real stories. You're trying to fabricate some shit when real life is more entertaining than anything you motherfuckers can think of
0: <laughs> including who's the next uh, the next chief of creative <laughs> uh spe- spe- speaking of writing uh that you let's go ahead and get into Keith man so I was not often we get a uh, a wordsmith of higher caliber than yourself on this show but it'd be safe to say that I think we have one tonight. Would you agree?
1: I am of agreement. I I do feel as though, you know, I am in rarefied air. So I get to to breathe the air of a writer who is more accomplished than I. (laughs) It's completely tongue in cheek.
0: (laughs) I mean, are we talking bars? Are we talking stanzas? Are we talking paragraphs?
1: I mean, it's debate It's
0: debatable in this case.
1: Uh, UIL format essays
0: (laughs) I mean NLA if you want to take it back Uh, New York Times best selling author Wrestling historian And all around Good guy pencil pusher now He's been initiated into the gang
1: Mm -hmm. A whole lot of fucking gang shit Indeed Ladies and gentlemen
0: I bring to you Keith Elliot Greenberg His latest. This is bro- a first for us. It's a first, yeah. His fir- his, his latest novel. Oh, I'm sorry, not. It's not, it's a, not novel. a novel. It yeah, is novel. a. Um, it's nonfiction. Nonfiction. Thank you, sir. I pre- I appreciate the. Uh, the correction on that. Yes. Uh, follow the buzzers. Pro wrestling in the age of COVID nineteen, which will be coming out this fall. Is that correct?
1: Yes, it is, Wood. Nice. So Ava- available for pre order at Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Noble,
2: wow. Amazon, or you could get it directly from the publisher, ECW Press. I know that um, a friend of mine who just wrote another wrestling book. Uh, Amazon ran out of copies, but uh, you know, but they, they replenish them pretty quickly.
0: We like to hear that. That means the, uh, the 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 revenue stream is constant when you have to get a re-up. We like to hear that.
2: Either that or they had such little confidence in his book that they only had three or four in stock. <laughs>
0: that That I seriously doubt because the one thing that we have seen in a paradigm shift that was the pandemic of 2020 is the fact that people need to learn how to do things completely different and not just work from a nine to five perspective, i.e. working from home, the increase in bandwidth technology things of that nature we saw the most notable paradigm shift in professional wrestling that we have seen probably in this lifetime in the advent of fans going home and being confined to their chairs while being broadcast across the world onto a screen inside of one arena
2: and that's what this my next book is about uh it actually two points that you bring up here about people ordering things online and being broadcast onto the Thunderdome, those are two of the crucial things, uh, the changes that occurred during the uh, era of COVID-19. Because as we know, when the rest of the world shut down, professional wrestling found a way to continue. And remarkably, WWE ended up having a record year and people were actually ordering merchandise when they weren't leaving their houses. They <laughs> were still ordering WWE merchandise and I guess wearing it at home because they were bored with the wardrobes they had. And um, of course, um, you know, that uh, then there was the Thunderdome, which really was a stroke of genius because how do you replicate that fan experience when you have no fans? Well, have the fans participate anyway. Although, as you may recall, there was some fans who tried to be a little subversive at first.
1: Right. You get a lot, You got a lot of those people we refer, refer to as like up in the cheap seats. And we say the, the lower the face value of the ticket, the more risque the conversations get. <laughs> and, a, and a few of those people slipped through the cracks in the early days of Thunderdome and they made things kind of interesting.
2: Yeah, although, um, you know, WWE claimed those fans were now barred from WWE events for life. I'm not sure how you enforce
0: that. Eight billion people in the world and you want to single those people out. I want to see that happen (laughs) in real time. Yeah.
2: I remember one point, and this is in the book, uh, somebody held up a Kenny Omega picture. You know, Kenny Omega, of course, was the champion at the time in rival AEW. And Kenny Omega actually responded to it and said, I just was having a little fun, guys. I didn't think anyone would notice. So he kind of went with the spirit of it. And in some ways, it was the melding of all the different wrestling promotions together because here was Kenny Omega tipping his hat to the Thunderdome.
1: We I I, actually think if they had let more people take that route, it would have been a bigger thing. Because now you're scanning the crowd to see who's in it. And you might have an Easter egg here or there. Thunderdome had a lot more uh, opportunity to it that wasn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It wasn't um, capitalized on. Yeah, it, it was not capitalized on at all. But there's several. There's a lot, a lot more opportunities they could have went into.
0: I think there was. Yeah. Um, I, I think there was some, a couple of wrestler sightings from other organizations that popped up in, in Thunderdome. We also had, uh, what was it? The t-shirts the t- the t- from, uh, uh, Bullet Club t-shirts were very popular during that. Uh, someone was, I think someone was watching like, like a DVR of AEW during a broadcast of SmackDown once from the, <laughs> the Thunderdome. Thunder- so like all of these things, like, I mean, you have to be aware that you're not gonna be able to control what goes on inside the home. So I guess that's what started the oh, cycling of fans throughout. And, and
2: the I, I even remember, uh, somebody sending me a photo of a kid who fell asleep while watching <laughs> and It didn't mean he was bored with the product. It meant that he was a young kid and he probably fell asleep that time all the time. It's
1: past his bedtime.
2: Yeah.
0: Another thing that we saw outside the Thunderdome was a lot of, uh, I guess, peer accountability through the uh, speaking out movement during COVID-19. Uh, you you saw a lot of organizations shut their doors temporarily, some forever, some ran by wrestlers, but in the advent of the, this pandemic shutdown, you had people that were speaking out, and I don't know, and, and I'm not trying to minimize this at all, people, I don't know if they were bored or if they decided that this was the opportune time because everybody was listening to social media, everyone was listening to the internet.
2: I'm not sure if, um, you know, because I cover that in the books uh,
0: and I speak to
2: a number of people, including a number of female wrestlers who told me that everybody who'd ever harassed them ended up getting called out in some way. Now that doesn't mean there were long-term repercussions for those people. Um, I think you know it started with uh, David Starr's ex-girlfriend, who posted uh, stuff about him being an abusive boyfriend, and it spiraled from there. And you know, I I made an you know I had to deliberate about how was I going to cover the speaking out movement. Um, I I made the decision not to name any of the females, even if they'd been public even if um, there were questions about the legitimacy of of their claims, it's almost like when I, I, because of my full-time job away from wrestling, I cover true crime. And the Special Victims Unit doesn't name uh, victims or purported victims either. So we're going on the assumption that these women are telling the truth, and we don't want people to see their names and be able to find them and attack them for making it up. Because since, you know, the beginning of, you know, not just pro wrestling, but entertainment and sports, any woman who said that she was abused, you know, by any of the talent was re- was said to be, quote, making it up. So I didn't mention any of the women's names and I was discreet about which male wrestlers were mentioned. And I can find that to men who defended themselves publicly or provided their side of the story. So there were some people whose names were mentioned very fleetingly. And then within days, they were forgotten about. And, you know, there are guys trying to make a living. And I don't want to put something in print two years after people have forgotten about this incident appearing on social media that's going to jeopardize their bookings uh and so i can find it to you know david Starr, um joey ryan i mentioned uh riddles uh at the accusations against riddle and how that was resolved and how the lawsuit was thrown out but i never mentioned the woman's name and um i just tried to uh keep it as balanced as I could and consider the consequences for all the parties involved.
0: How, how I guess twisted is it, or even uh, ironic as it would be that you would find Joey Ryan actually getting uh, employment through a company like Disneyland And working rides around children and without no one doing their due diligence especially with as active people were on the internet during you know the last two years no one took their time to do their due diligence to google like they didn't know who
2: he was he used his at his birth name
0: right right but just as easy i mean mean, and i
2: think he was dismissed fairly quickly and you know i i go over joey ryan's defense of him you know the, the his defense It's just there were an awful lot of people he was defending himself against. Man. And I have to admit, on a personal level, I felt a bit of sadness because my book prior to this, and this came out in 2020, was Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution. And I'd run into Joey Ryan a few times and had interviewed him. And I remember being in Southern California and Joey Ryan being very helpful with directing me to people. So it's always a little bit distressing when someone has extended themselves to you. And then you hear allegations like this against them. Uh, You know, again, you know, the, the latest with Joey Ryan, he's never been convicted of any crime. But at the same time, the vast numbers of people who accused him really make you wonder that there has to be some smoke there. And, you know, a mix like, Should he, if he hasn't been convicted of anything, should he be unemployable? And then at the same time, if those allegations are true, certainly a big corporation like Disney shouldn't be hiring him to be around young women in an amusement park. So uh, it's confusing. Fortunately, my book was already put to bed by the time that particular incident occurred. So it's something I'll be discussing on broadcasts like this rather than uh, putting it in print.
0: Uh, Totally understandable. I mean, that's the responsible journalistic thing to do. And the last thing you want to be, especially with as many words as you have on print, is libelous. I mean... mean, Yeah, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Um, um, You know, the the other thing is thing is print, when you um put something in in book form it's not like putting something on the internet i mean you can find it again but um you know the the internet is just comes at you so fast and with print you can walk into like there are books i wrote 20 years ago that are still in bookstores and they're certainly still in libraries so somebody 20 25 years from now can open up this book and all those allegations are right there. And it's something that has to be taken into consideration. And, you know, I've co-authored a number of books. And at times, the people I've worked with have said to me, oh, you can put that in there. Like, the people I had the beef with, you know, they, we've, we've talked it out. They, they know about it. But when that comes out in print, then that beef starts all over again and as a co-author it's something you have to be very conscious of particularly if you're trying to properly represent the, the the subject of the book
0: man and i'm looking at your at your history and your catalog i mean just just with things that have your name on it i'm seeing was is it 63 books yes it may
2: be probably less than that they're probably hardcover and Uh, you know, soft cover editions of some of those books. Okay. I I would say it's probably in the vicinity of 40. But to be fair, um, some of those are children's books, uh, uh, nonfiction children's books, and those are not very long. And, you know, I've been a professional writer uh, since age 19. So I've been at this for 44 years. So you would hope that I would, uh, you know, have developed a bit of a catalog by now.
0: And I mean, a lot of people, even professional writers, starting as young, as young as you did, don't have the the book catalog as you know under their belt, and so that's yeah. an accomplishment within itself. When, like, when did you, when did you? I would like to think that you go back to the old territory days in WWF. When did you know that you were a fan of professional wrestling, and how did you start writing about professional wrestling?
2: Well, you know, I I, I was a fan as long as I can remember because my family were fans. My grandparents were fans. My mother was a fan. Um, and uh, so I was always watching it. It was always on. And as a kid, those were the days when everything was kayfabe. And if you were a wrestling fan, there were other kids, not just other kids, but teachers who thought this is ludicrous that you would watch this stuff and think it's real. This is all fake. And if you think it's real, you're an idiot which would mean my mother was an idiot and my grandparents were idiots so it was quite offensive to me so I always felt very protective of the business which made it very natural to go into the business because I felt those feelings for the business and I felt a certain affection and loyalty for the business like The business is what gave me life in many ways as a fan, gave me joy. And these were the people who manufactured that joy to me. And, you know, it was a privilege and still is a privilege to be around them when they're risking their bodies. And all I'm doing is watching and writing about it. So when I started out, I was trying to, and I I would write for anybody. I was trying to just get my name out there. And sometimes, you know, editors would say to me, well, you're a young kid, you know, what do you have to offer? Like, what have you done? What do you know about? Like, what do you know about that all these other far more experienced writers don't know about? And I'd say, well, I certainly know more about professional wrestling than any of them. And, uh, you know, that's when I started writing about wrestling as a freelancer. And it was 1985, a WrestleMania one, I recently posted about this on social media i uh edward rashidi who was the editor of the wwf magazine at the time was sitting next to me i was covering it for us weekly and we were talking about the different types of writing we did and at the time believe it or not there were not a lot of wrestling fans who were also professional writers. There were wrestling magazine writers, but there were not people who had uh, traction with so-called legitimate publications who knew that much about professional wrestling. And Vince McMahon was expanding. And Ed shooty said, why don't you start writing for us? And so they put me on a monthly retainer and it really did uh, changed my life i made friends for life and i'm still making friends with people because of that one conversation
0: and i mean one of the uh one of the seminal pieces that i saw that uh that was in your catalog had to do with someone that was a big part of your childhood as, your, as a fan of professional wrestling in the New York metro area, and that's Classy, fre, classy Freddie Blassie with... listen, is my favorite wrestler. Listen, you I mean, pencil neck geeks. <laughs> yeah, listen, you pencil neck geeks.
2: Freddie Blassie was my favorite wrestler because we... um Not only did he come... And look, I love Bruno San Martino. Every, every, everybody in New York City, by and large, love Bruno San Martino because... He was the working-class hero and professional wrestling was largely a working-class audience but freddie Blassie just had a like this rough charisma to him and he was unintentionally funny sometimes and um in new york when he came and he'd wrestle bruno periodically he'd be a vicious villain and that was fascinating too because he would bite and he seemed to go beyond rule breaker for the time he was hardcore and then in new york city we would get professional wrestling from los angeles from the olympic auditorium on the spanish network and at a certain point freddie Blassie became a hero to the mexican fans they would call him el rubio de oro the uh the 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 golden blonde and so (laughs) i was watching him being cheered as he wrestled primarily John Tolis and you know, Gordman and Goliath and the other village, killer Kowalski came out there. I remember. And so, um, th- when I started writing about professional wrestling, he was one of the people I sought out because he was, you know, an idol of mine and he was just as colorful in real life as he was on television. And I had the good fortune of growing close to him and When the decision was made to to, uh, publish his autobiography, he was at the end of his life, and he had a lot to say before it ended. And I was um, honored to be picked to tell his story with him.
0: I remember last time I saw him, which was about a week before he passed, was on Monday Night Raw with his uh, his lovely wife at the time. And uh, Uh you you didn't expect to see... Him in that capacity, he still looked like he was ready to, you know, to hit somebody over the head with a cane. I think he even cocked the cane back, the cane back on him uh, while he was in the the, Dudley, the Dudleys brought him. There, out. Yeah, there it is.
2: <laughs> and in fact, he was on that Raw to promote the book we did together. When they brought him out, he was in a wheelchair, and uh, they flashed the cover of the book. Listen, you pencil neck Geeks behind him when he was brought out. And he was getting—he was quite confused at that point because this was three weeks after the book came out. No, he died three weeks after the book came out. So I guess this was two weeks or so after the book came out was his final appearance. And if you recall, Devon Dudley, when they get the tables, Devon would stick his tongue out. And when they announced Freddie was coming to the ring freddie stuck his tongue out and he <laughs> said to me the next day i got confused i thought that was what i was supposed to be doing i forgot Devon does this so that's where he was he was a bit scrambled at that you realized he was dead a week later right and then um, when he was being driven home because he was brought down to philadelphia he was in the limo with his wife And at a certain point, he laid down and went to sleep. And I guess his wife went into the other row and was chatting with the driver. And when he woke up, he looked around. He wasn't sure where he was. And he screamed at the driver, you left Miyako back at the arena. Go back to Philadelphia and get her. He didn't realize his wife was sitting right in front of him.
0: Yeah, that's uh that that's rough, man. I had a uh got a, got a long history in my family with uh you know dementia and Alzheimer's, and it is a uh, it, it's a debilitating uh, disease. And you know, hopefully, you know we can get some some headway on that. But man, it's like you hate to see people go like that. But you know, definitely when when it's their time and they've had left a legacy behind like Freddie Blassie and many others have in the past. Uh, like, there's nothing you can do but smile at at, at the accomplishments.
2: Yes. there. And, and one of the uh, sad things was at his wake, uh, his cousin from St. Louis was there and Freddie had was estranged from two of his three sons, uh, the youngest son and Freddie had made peace because Freddie was largely an absentee father and he had been married a number of times and you uh, It's no secret about, you know, what a ladies' man he was. (laughs) And the uh, oldest son, I believe, had read the book and had told relatives, I'm ready to make peace with my father now. And uh, then Freddie died a few days later. So they never did make peace.
1: Uh, I see uh, you were saying uh, Freddie Blassie was your favorite wrestler. Um, with you having so many different pieces that you've written about wrestling, do you have a favorite body of work? And if it's not just one, what's your top three?
2: Um, That's a good, well, I'd like to say my favorite body of work would now include my current books. Uh, You know, uh, to those who are interested in indie wrestling and the revolution that led to the formation of AEW, the book that came out in 2020 in the midst of COVID, Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Wrestling Revolution, would be up there. Um, I would say my current book, which will be out in October, Follow the Buzzards, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19, um, I would put rank that high. And then the Blassie book is very high. And then I would also mention the book I co-wrote with uh, Superstar Billy Graham, uh, which is You know, it's a shame because Superstar, Vince McMahon says in the book, when I interviewed him, that had his father not been in charge, Superstar Billy Graham would have been the first Hulk Hogan. And Mm. Hulk Hogan himself told me that he freely stole from Superstar Billy Graham's gimmick, but it was just a little bit too early. Uh, So, uh, yeah, but there you know, there's a lot I've worked on over the years. And let me if since we're uh you know putting in plugs for things, I've been writing for inside the ropes magazine uh, based in the UK, okay. I write a monthly column there and sometimes, you know, articles. Uh, I did an article recently on diversity in professional wrestling and how this was in this was after Big Swole, the comments between Big Swole and Tony Khan went back. And it's like okay let's analyze this like traditionally how have people of color been depicted in professional wrestling you know not not well um but a guy like kamala the ugandan giant he was very proud of what he'd done at his at his wake his spear was there his gimmick mask was you know african tribal mask was there His loincloth was there. So the family was quite proud of it. But now you think about it, it's a demeaning character to play. A cannibal, you know? And slap (laughs) his stomach and jump up and down and get scared and pop out his eyes. It was like something out of a minstrel show. So uh, Mm. that's a story I've written for Inside the Robes magazine a few months back. And uh, they've given me a very nice forum and uh i would say that look for 22 years i was on retainer for the wwf wwe magazines but if all the if that entire archive uh was destroyed and of course that would never happen i hope that would never happen and all i had as my legacy is what i've done for inside the ropes for the last year and a half i'd say okay i'm proud of this if that's how people know me good enough
0: that type of journalism has been lost because, like, when you had the territories, you had uh, PWI and the wrestler, you know, what they, I think, as they call them, the after mags. And then you had inside wrestling, which was a little bit more of a, uh, if, if you had Burger King and, uh, and McDonald's, that would definitely be the subway to the wrestling mm-hmm. mags of the 80s. And, right way to frame. Yeah. And, and the crazy part about those magazines were like, even though uh, Wrestler and PWI were essentially the same magazine with a different person on the cover, you got different flavor from the same writers, and then but on but Inside Wrestling gave you a, an even deeper perspective because they didn't have the same uh, um, national uh mainstream appeal that the wrestler or like that or the, the after would have and therefore you would get a little bit more of a of a hungry approach to how they consume their knowledge and distribute it back to the fan in a way that would be, you know, episodic and where you want to go buy the next issue or even subscribe via via the uh you know subscription services or whatnot. So that yeah. said, you that what you're talking about with um uh, Inside was it inside the ropes? Yes. yes. What you're talking about, what you write, what you wrote of inside the ropes reminds me of that 80s period when the magazines were booming, even before the uh the you know WWF and WCW magazines, which are easily ripoffs of you know the after mags. How do you think that like that type that that style of writing plays into not just your writings now, but the the as they I hate to call it dirt sheets but like the informationals that are out here oh,
2: it, it all everything is an extension of everything else nothing exists in isolation and you know as I say in my upcoming book you know the COVID era was a time when wrestling could no longer solely be escapism because the outside world came in and professional wrestlers were responding to it so You know, you had empty arenas and you couldn't deny those were empty arenas. And even AEW tried to surround the ring with, you know, wrestlers. And I, I liked it. It was like a studio atmosphere. And at a certain point in NXT, they had talent behind plexiglass, but they were still behind plexiglass. And some of them were masked. So everything has an impact on everything it rubs against. One of the reasons I Mm. love living in New York City is even if you're living in a neighborhood that appears to be very ethnically isolated, you're getting on the subway and you're rubbing against people, literally bumping into people from China and from Honduras and from Ghana. And that gets into your brain. It has an impact on you and you see those people and something of that culture gets transferred over to you uh hold on a siren's going by Um, (laughs) we love the
0: ambiance
2: (laughs) uh, but um you know the same thing like the dirt sheets you can't say like i worked for wwf magazine and you know there was a lot of condemnation of the so-called dirt sheets but everyone read the dirt sheets every single person you know i I I wrote with every single photographer knew it was in the dirt sheets, you know, and this is before the internet. And then the internet came in, and look, the sources for the dirt, the so-called dirt sheets, and the internet were the wrestlers themselves. And sometimes the wrestlers just had to air their grievances in a safe forum anonymously. And then you know, I remember at a certain point we had the WWF magazine and we had Raw magazine. And Raw magazine was supposed to be Raw. And in Raw magazine, we could break kayfabe, And then later on, we dispensed of the WWE magazine, and it was Raw and SmackDown magazines. And the SmackDown magazine was supposed to be more traditional. You were just supposed to adhere to storylines. Again, it was the same group of writers but writing stylistically differently. And, you know, if you're a professional writer, you should be able to adapt. And for those folks who have, well, everyone I wrote with has since left, I think they came out of that experience, better writers and more flexible more versatile writers. And whatever they're writing about, they're doing a good job because of some of those experiences they had.
1: That's super cool uh going back to your comments about Kamala and um what the gimmick end up ends up uh sort of uh projecting out to the audience current day uh I hundred percent think there's a there's a book there for diversity and professional wrestling and the experiences of people of color and African Americans 100 percent um of all the people you've encountered and sat down and interviewed with for for articles and pieces and books Um, Who are some of the more unique or outgoing characters that, away away from the ring, away from wrestling, are just very unique and entertaining?
2: Well, I mean, lots of guys, by by virtue of what they do for a living, lots of guys unique and entertaining
0: <laughs> this is think- key i'm sorry Keith. this this is loaded <laughs> i i i know why he asked that question when he when he asked it it is is so loaded but we oh, definitely because,
1: you
2: know, big people who've come on the show and told like these very embarrassing stories. No, about they people.
0: just, uh, we, we had one in particular just shit the bed. Just <laughs> I mean, you're not going to
2: get, I'm not going to reveal anything embarrassing about anyone. <laughs> no, or, no, no, I, no. I wrote a book with Ric Flair. Right. There's there a few personalities as big as Ric Flair. Right. Uh, but you, you know, look, I used to, I went to Iraq with WWE in 2004 and spent a lot of time talking to Mick Foley during that tour. Mm. And a lot of what we spoke about, this was a period when the majority of the locker room tended to skew conservatives and was in favor of the war. And I remember I was talking to a guy who was a seminary student, a Lutheran seminary student, and he had joined the Army Reserve to pay for this, going to the seminary. And here he was in a war, and this was not a hard guy. And McFoley and I spent a lot of time discussing those types of experiences. And yes, a lot of the soldiers were very impressive at their ability to do their jobs, accomplish their jobs, learn quickly. Um, They were physically impressive, but was the war justified? It was very satisfying, like, you know, having someone who could, you know, break down every angle with me about it. I remember us having those conversations very quietly because we really didn't want to antagonize all the other talent and the soldiers. You're certainly not going to question the validity of the war when these guys have to get up and fight the next day. Right. So we had to keep it a little quiet. Um, Absolutely. In terms of other personalities, Brett Hitman Hart is a
0: very deep,
2: thoughtful guy who um, had someone just sneezed in the other room. Not sure if you guys picked that up. Hey, we, we, uh, we
0: take all we take all the noise. We, <laughs> we got little ones that come have... in, so.
1: <laughs> we, we, yeah, we welcome all the ambiance. Uh, all the ambiance.
2: But um, you know, Hitman Hart had wanted to go to film school and I'm thoroughly convinced that had the wrestling business not beckoned to him, that's what he would have done and he's a great artist, and I think he would have been a great filmmaker. Um, you know, I mean, Randy Macho Man Savage, who people have mixed feelings about, uh, Randy Savage was very kind to me, and he was very kind to uh, Edward Rashidi, who was the uh, the editor of the WWF Magazine. Uh, at one point, Edward Rashidi's son was a teenager going through his difficulties, and. Randy Savage suddenly showed up at the house and took the kid to work out and gave him some kind of pep talk. So, uh, you know, those are the kinds of characters you need In terms of a guy being immensely entertaining, both in the ring and outside of it, I would um, say Terry Funk, who may be the greatest of all time.
1: Good at yeah. Man. That seems like that's absolutely true.
0: I've seen more more of my people that, that, that I, I taught I talk to and touch on a regular basis with uh, more especially you know if there's health issues see Terry Funk more than any other wrestler in there in an airport um, on a regular basis it was uh, I, I just it, it's a testament because some people just want they don't want to be um, they, they want to be as, as touch untouchable away from the screen away from the ring. But Terry Funk, I, I always hear that name and always see pictures of him. Uh, you know, from let's say probably from about uh, ten years or, or so back, it would be more Terry Funk than anybody else. And so I, that's yeah. a testament to what you were saying too.
1: Yeah, gotcha. And and that's what we meant more so people who made an impression on you, not necessarily for any any divulging of any um, private things that are shared or just you know private time, but more so um, what participants in the sport made a an impression on you while speaking to them, away from you know the cameras rolling.
2: Yeah, I will say I do want to just stay on the issue of diversity. I know this is you know largely a, an audience that listens to hip hop, and I, I that that came into play obviously during the COVID era. I'm putting in a plug for my new book again um, because you had the George Floyd case occur <laughs> right in the middle of the COVID era. And maybe that was an instance, I even say it in the book, of people being so locked down that they were ready to break, and this is what broke them. And if you recall, the outpouring of anger was not, it stretched beyond racial lines. There were a lot of people who were not black, who were just tired of what they felt was this oppression that had, you know, that had reached its expiration date decades ago, and that found its way into professional wrestling, too. You had wrestlers coming to the ring with BLM patches, and you had wrestlers wearing armbands with the names of, you know, shooting victims, of of the police officers. And you had a guy like Mustafa Ali, who, you know, is of Indian and Pakistani ancestry, but it also had been a police officer providing some some balance about what it's like in the street for both people of color and for police officers and very much taking a black lives matter position with respect to all those decent police officers who don't go out there to slaughter every day and so that's all mentioned in the book too and again you you couldn't keep the world out it was no longer escapism all of speaking out, George Floyd, Trump running for president, Brexit in the UK—it's all had its, you know, a ripple effect on professional wrestling during the COVID. Man,
0: I, I we—it's the the timing of you coming on the show and the title of your book because last week we did an episode and about half of the episode was talking about the entire dichotomy timeline of the fiend it's himself not uh, bray wyatt character but specifically the fiend character which spanned for pretty much quarantine it was october of 2019 and expired april of 2021 so the entire time uh for you know fans being out of the arena we saw a fiend until they came back into the arena and during that time frame like you say, you named all of these things. We we saw the fiend come and go. And the one thing that hasn't changed, and you would think that from, from era of human element from the past up until now that people will actually change this habit, but people don't know when to stop their fingers be, from hitting send. It's easy to hit the delete button, but it seems easier to hit send before you even read what you're saying as evidenced by some of the things that wrestlers were saying, uh, and not just wrestlers, but because we're talking about wrestling, I'm putting it out there uh, as regarding the George Floyd case, regarding uh, uh, 45, regarding...
2: Yeah, yes. It was was a revelation. And again, this was reflected in the wider society of especially not being a person of color, of who your friends and family really are and for many of us it was quite disconcerting now you know my sister ended up like having fallings out with numerous relatives who defriended her during that era i at the time was working at nbc news and i was told do not put your political opinions on social media which initially i thought was restrictive but now in retrospect because i ended up covering some political stories i was able to interview people in the trump administration who wouldn't go on facebook and say oh this guy's our enemy look what he just wrote so i was able to uh you know walk into interviews without having the stain on me but yes there were some shocking things that people revealed about themselves and again this was in the book there were a lot of people with time on their hands including professional wrestlers who you know was sometimes taping multiple shows at the time and the rest of the time were sitting at home watching the news and tweeting and <laughs> some wrestlers had some pretty big uh explosive exchanges on uh, on um
0: Twitter that would rival whatever you'd see on on Raw or SmackDown or Dynamite. It was the it, it was some of the most real life face turns and some of the most real life heel
1: turns you will yeah. ever see. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like it's it's some of the last stuff that that would make a general audience feel. It's like what emotion have we not tapped into yet on TV? Like during the Attitude Era, Austin was like every he he embodied everyone wanting to you know flip the bird flip the boss the bird right but at this point like what is left that galvanizes us but also makes everyone feel strongly on an individual level
2: right right i think that certainly what i noticed during the, the this era and this is why i'm fortunate that i never wanted to become a nostalgia when it came to wrestling I never wanted to say, oh, there goes Keith. He wrote about professional wrestling for WWE in the 80s and the 90s. Oh, he wrote Ric Flair's book in uh, 2004. You know, I want to be known for being someone who's current. And I've met people over the years who, you know, have played a role in the industry and they idealize a certain period. And we all do. We all idealize the time and the characters we saw when we were 11 or 12 years old, but I've met people who are locked into that and don't think anything now matches up to what they saw then. And so, um, you know, it, it, it's it's healthy to look at, um, you know, the state of the industry uh, through Modernize and see the things that excite us. And, you know, talk about breaking kayfabe there are a lot of people going on social media and breaking kayfabe during that that covid year
0: it's uh i'm I, and you're talking about you know not oh. being pigeonholed like i'm going right. through i'm going through your 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 bodies of work here man like you cover everything like from pop culture professional wrestling politics um music true. Um, and truth. Like it's you. you it, there's just a lot going on, and the one thing that I wouldn't, I wouldn't say pigeonholed, I wouldn't say uh, classic. You're, like it's timeless. These are things that are going to be reads for years and decades to come, and recycled over long after you and I are both gone. Like mm. like I like, I hope like, you I would rather
2: than sooner. <laughs> As, right, that part. <laughs>
0: Hit the bell for that, <laughs> right? <laughs> it caught me off guard, but yeah, there it is. <laughs> uh,
1: of all the things that you've written about thus far, what is, or what are some of the things you want to write about in the near future? Now, obviously, we're waiting on October so we can re-follow the buzzards, but um, what what do you have on your bucket list of of topics to cover as far as professional wrestling is concerned?
2: You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. And um, I don't have the next book in my head yet. Um, when I finished Too Sweet, Inside the Indie Revolution, uh, Indie Wrestling Revolution, um, I, I basically end that with the, tape, the first taping of Dynamite. I'm at a GCW show in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and it's Jungle Boy, Orange Cassidy, Marco Stunt, and Joey Janella are doing their last indie show before they all get in a car and drive down to DC for the inaugural AEW taping. And a new era is about to begin. So the sequel was natural. It's like, okay, I want to write a sequel. I thought it'd be a year later. You know, what, what was that first year like? What was the year 2020 like? And then COVID happened. And so instead of it just being a book on the continuation of the indie wrestling revolution, it turned into a book on wrestling in the age of COVID-19. Yes, there's a lot going on now. There's a lot in flux. Um, I don't know how things are going to land. And so I'm standing back and observing. I, you know, I have my monthly column for uh, Inside the Ropes. I'll be at SummerSlam. That weekend, I'll be at Ric Flair's final match. I'll be at the GCW show. I'll be at some of the, uh, you know, live podcasts and I'll, I'll cover that. And I'm, I'm just looking around to see what that next story is that I want to sink my teeth into. Do I want to go back and write another biography? My friend Brian Solomon just wrote that excellent book on the, the sheet, uh, um, Blood and Fire um you know where he uncovers and this is a guy who was totally kayfabe who lived kayfabe he goes back in time and even he found records he found old newspaper articles and really told the the real life story of the mysterious ed fahad the original sheik uh do i want to do someone else's biography do i want to co-write an autobiography or do i again want to write about some trends in professional wrestling and I think I just have to wait a couple of months and see what happens in professional wrestling over
0: the
1: next few months. Man,
2: you,
0: we, Sounds
1: like sound strategy.
0: We can talk man. Oh, golly, I, 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 there's so much more I want to ask you now, and, I, and I don't want to take this time for granted but what I will do is uh definitely tell you that you know i'm strong on me I'm, I'm i'm putting you in an arm bar you're coming back on the show we're going to talk
2: if i met you guys in a bar and we had this conversation i'd hope you'd strong on me and put me in an arm bar and say let's get together and keep talking I, and
0: hanging i it. want you to understand this in the most sincerity if you come to the area or we're anywhere near where you are there will be a camera crew there ready for the uh, for that moment we're going to talk, <laughs> and, and so is, you're talking
2: about D- D- Dallas forward. That's right? correct.
0: Yes. Yes. Um, and, and so, we'll, and I'll ask you one more question since we're talking about uh, indie wrestling and the revolution during COVID nineteen. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, with Pluto and the uh, the wrestling. Uh, the, I, don't, I don't know what it's called. I guess it's the wrestling channel that's on Pluto. But they they took. Uh, wrestling watching to a whole new level to an audience of upwards of 200 million people and i probably a, a very minute fraction of that probably i would say one percent of one percent even access that amount of programming or uh, that they that they have is 24 7 indie wrestling and the crazy thing is there's a lot of uh mainstream stars that were popular during that time frame such as jacob fatu such as uh, Shane Strickland. They um, even, even had some throwbacks. They, they showed uh, a, a anthology of Jerry Lawler and, and uh, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage from Memphis in the, in the territory in, in Tennessee and Kentucky. And here in Texas, there's probably about eight or nine indie organizations in North Texas and uh, Southern Oklahoma alone that are running and it's more akin to like I said that 80s 90s, or, or late 80s or early 80s late 70s territory style do we see some of these more independent companies come to possibly like a shared cable situation is is? If, it, it's
2: entirely possible look you know again this is the forbidden door is a part of this book mm, you just okay. store- A dual New Japan AEW show. I mean, look, uh, WCW also had a dual pay per view with New Japan, but it wasn't marketed properly to the American fan.
1: That's Uh, the
2: New Japan talent were not depicted as important as equals. Uh, You know, you've I I just watched Triple Mania, and with Triple A, and you know. of course, the Lucha Bros were down there, and uh, Sammy Guevara wrestled down there. And on other shows, uh, you know, Kenny Omega has wrestled there. The Young Bucks were there. So, there, you know, there is a spillover internationally and nationally. You know, I go to GCW a lot. There's always AEW guys there. PWG in L.A. gets the best guys from all over the world. So will there be a shared cable I, i'm not a business person um always the danger in that is at what point does it become mainstream like aw isn't an indie certainly but there is an indie spirit there because their guys are still appearing on the audience and or an indie guy will be brought in even if in a losing effort and uh so i do think that this uh indie wrestling revolution continues to evolve and we'll see where, where it all goes.
0: Right on, man. Uh, the book is Follow the Buzzers, Pro Wrestling in the Age of COVID-19, Keith Elliott Greenberg. I'm looking forward to their, its release, looking even more forward to meeting you in person. Suave, you got anything before we get up out of here?
1: I'm, I just uh, 100% want to thank you for your time. Thank you for, for sharing with us. So we appreciate everything you've done. Can't, read, can't wait to read the new book. Uh, can't wait to get started getting caught up on all the other other uh, pieces that you've released. And we just appreciate you uh, taking time to spend with us today. Thank you, Suave. Thank you, Wood. And I can't wait
2: to talk to you guys again, because I know I will.
0: I absolutely can't stand when we meet people like this when they have product that's actually worthy and viable, because now I have, to, I have to spend my hard-earned dollars to feed this budget, and now I have to spend the time to actually t- to take it, take in the knowledge that will be presented in front of me. Keith Elliott Greenberg, once again, thank you very much. We appreciate you. And uh, we'll talk again very, very soon. We just murdered an hour, man. We Man, I... I It was
1: like nothing. The easiest hour of all time. Suave, take us to the house, man. (laughs) Pencil pushers. Heads up, pencils down.